0: Hi, I'm Cecilia, the president of the Jacksonville Young Democrats. And I'm Lynnae, the vice president of the Jax Young Dems. Welcome to Keeping It Local, a series where we interview
1: local candidates and elected officials about the issues that matter.
0: People familiar with JYD know that our goal is to create opportunities for voters in Jacksonville to hear from their elected officials and candidates seeking office.
1: Due to COVID-19, we, like many, have had to change the way in which we operate. Instead of hosting in-person forums featuring candidates and elected officials, we have created this series. We hope this helps inform and engage
0: listeners about local politics. Today's interview will be with Angie Nixon. She has been a community organizer for the past 10 years and is a former member of Jacksonville Young Dems angie is running for state house district 14 and this was a pre-recorded interview in which we covered topics including criminal justice reform funding for schools and her idea for a district 14 advisory committee as mentioned before this is part of a greater series we would love
1: to hear your feedback so let us know what you think and who you would like us to interview all thoughts can be sent to our email Jacksyoungdems at gmail.com. We hope you enjoy. Hi, Angie. It's so great to be interviewing a former JYD member who's now running for office. Uh, Can you explain your district to us and who can vote for you? Definitely. So, hi. Thank you
2: for inviting me on your chat, your show, or (laughs) whatever we're calling it. Whatever it is. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, so my name is Angie Nixon. I am running for state representative in District 14. District 14 is one of the most diverse <laughs> districts in Duval County, and it is comprised of Ocean Way area, in addition to Northwest Jacksonville, which I was born and raised in. Um, also, it's comprised of Murray Hill, uh, the Hyde Park, Hyde Grove area, um, near the airport. So it, like, it wraps around in curves. It's really interesting. Um, it's very massive. And yeah, it's, it's big. And like I said, it's diverse. It's Blacks, it's Whites. Um, it's Latinos it's a mixture and amalgam of people and it's awesome <laughs>
0: that's awesome yeah it's really interesting that you grew up in your district too so that's pretty mm-hmm. really
2: cool yeah so that's one of the main reasons that I did decide to run um, because not a lot has changed in my district unfortunately and in some areas things have gotten uh, a little, things have been kind of regressive and gotten a little worse. And so I felt as though it was time for someone who really cared about the community and was very passionate to actually run. And I feel that I'm that candidate um, and I'm looking forward to this election. Uh, it's, It's been very interesting considering we are currently in a pandemic and so, I am making sure to get my message out there as much as possible and really leaning heavily on my, the work that I've done in the past and the connections that I've made throughout the community for folks to continually just spread, spread my message. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and you mentioned the, I think we have a little bit of, okay. Um, you mentioned the global health crisis and you know other campaigns have had to change the way they connect mm-hmm. with voters. Um, how has your campaign been impacted and what are you doing to connect with voters um, during times of social Yeah. Sort of- so normally, so I am a community
2: organizer, but I've also been known as a political operative. I love campaigning, it's so much fun. I'm super competitive and just wanna make sure that the right people get in office and in leadership so that the community can build power, right? And so, unfortunately, I have not been able to do my really aggressive approach uh, to grassroots campaigning, and that's simply because I wanted to make sure that the constituents in the district were okay, right? That they were healthy, that they had the tools and resources that they needed during this pandemic. And so, we pivoted from, like as soon as I filed, maybe one or two weeks, then the stay-at-home orders came into effect. And so what I decided to do was the majority of my volunteers, or well, pretty much all of my volunteers and myself, um, we started making wellness check-in calls to folks as, as well as um, sending out text messages Um, to make sure people were okay. And we also connected them with some of the resources that they needed. Um, We provided them, like there's a long list. (laughs) You should see my script. There's a long list um, of information that we provided to folks and we would email out to people so that they could make sure that they knew where to apply for stimulus funding um, from the from the city, right? So they knew where to go get tested. Um, so they knew what was going on with Duval County schools. Um, so we definitely pivoted to that. And then also I partnered with some local business owners um, in the city, uh, one of which is a uh, Hanan um, and her kids over at Three's Company Blissful Paper Products. A lot of people don't know, but this company, which is actually located in District 14, uh, they sell cleaning supplies in addition to uh, toilet paper, um, paper towels and things like that. And so they have a lot of contracts with companies, but they decided to open up their doors for the community and residents. And so I partnered with them on some giveaways and things like that. And so that's a little bit of the work that I've done. In addition to partnering with state, Senator Iger Gibson's office and State Senator Bean's office in which we partnered me and a couple of my interns uh, Went over to uh, partner with some of the farm shares that they were doing So that's a little bit of some of the stuff that I've been doing.
1: That's awesome Um, Yeah, we definitely have to make sure that you know everyone's okay in these times, right? Uh, So you're running against an incumbent who is a self-described blue dog Democrat Mm -hmm. If elected. How would you lead differently?
2: oh my gosh i would do almost a complete 180. um unfortunately the current representative uh i feel as well as many others feel that she's not very accessible heck her office isn't even in the district it's actually located in city hall so that tells you right there alone what type of individual representative that we have. Why would you want as a state representative to be accessible to the community to be in the community where people can come and reach out to you and walk in and talk to you about some of the issues and the concerns that they have. So that's one thing that I uh, really pride myself on and being different about the current incumbent. Also, um, I would be ethical, right? The current state representative um, has admitted to using some money uh some campaign money for her own personal gain Mm -hmm. like that's just not what you do (laughs) i would be a steward of taxpayer money i'm being a steward of my campaign uh donors money to make sure that i spread my message and, and to make sure that folks know just you know what i stand for right and i'm just i also feel that i'm someone that's hardworking. um i'm I honestly do a lot of the work of uh, an elected official already. I call myself an aggregator um, simply because I may not know something, (laughs) but I know how to bring people together, right? So if folks don't know, if they need assistance in an area, if I don't know, a lot of times people call me because I'm a community organizer. I've been a community organizer in this community for over 10 years. So they call me and ask me for assistance. And if I don't know it, I don't just stop there and tell them I don't know it. I look up and research information for them, or I teach them how to find the information for themselves, which is something that I've really been um, going to and moving towards now and connecting them to the services that they need, right? It's really important to um, empower folks. And for those out there that, you know, believe in Christianity and read the Bible and things like that, it's like, um, what is it? the, The fish... The fish uh, line, a verse in the Bible is like, you know, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach a man a fish, um, he'll pretty much eat for a lifetime. And so it's really important for us to not just um, provide, quote unquote, handouts to people, but hand ups and like really empower them and lift them up and let them know that uh, they can do whatever it is that they wanna do. They can ensure that their community is a better community. They can ensure that their schools have the adequate funding that they need. They have to go out and demand that. And so I really pride myself on being a community organizer and wanting to bring my community organizing skills into the into this uh, role as state representative, because it's really important we oftentimes we don't talk to our elected officials we don't know where they are only when it's campaign season and so i would be someone that is there 24 7. um and one of the reasons is is because i was a former district aide and in State Representative District 14 with uh, Representative Mia Jones. And so she treated that job as a full-time job. It's supposedly a a part-time job, but she had an open door policy for everyone. And she was always working. And so that's exactly what I would do, make myself accessible, remain ethical, (laughs) be someone hardworking and someone that folks can trust. Um, And then also just really not ostracize people for not believing in some of the things that I believe in. Um, And unfortunately, that's what this incumbent does. Um, I believe that you should love, people should love whoever they wanna love. I believe that a woman has the right um, to quality healthcare and to make decisions about her own body. Um, I also believe that, you know, kids and (laughs) everyone in the community again, can really be fully empowered, but they have to um, get that education and know what's going on. And so just really remaining in constant communication with my constituency constituents year round. And again, not just when I need something from them, like a vote. So that's what I would do differently.
1: That's a great answer. And you actually answered our second question in that. So. Uh, we'll just move on. I mean, yeah, we we're going to ask about your experience with political organizing, and you know, I think you definitely answered that. Uh, so in your campaign video, you mentioned the school-to-prison pipeline. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that, and what yeah. actions you would take if elected?
2: Yeah, so the school-to-prison pipeline, so just knowing that um, in the Black community, literacy, the literacy rates are lower, and um, as it relates to any other ethnic group. And so um, I previously worked with the Newtown Success Zone. Um, I was over there and I feel that it's really important for us to, to really work on like things like a two generational model. And so what I did over there is, I went into the schools with SP Livingston um, and what we did was we worked with i had a group of uh women (laughs) we went in and we tutored second graders because we knew that they had to take the fsa in third grade and oftentimes kids in low-income communities as majority african-americans um children um they're not on grade level and so if you're not on grade level you wind up starting your way into the school-to-prison pipeline, right? And so we would work with the students and tutor them in reading, and then we wouldn't just stop there. We also um, worked with the parents as well, and making sure that they knew how to tutor their kids at home, they knew how to get on focus, and then also just making sure that we addressed whatever issues that they had at home, because oftentimes, like, folks are so concerned with, making sure they have a roof over their head, making sure that there's food on the table, right? Making sure that their kids have clothes. And so they're working two and three jobs, right? In these low income areas, two or three low paying jobs, unfortunately, um, which is why they have to work two and three of them. And so they don't have time to um, work with their kids at home. And so those students really usually like wind up falling into the school to prison pipeline, which leads them to um, having issues at school, getting in trouble, Um, African American students, black students um, are more likely to get suspended or to face disciplinary actions in school than again, other ethnic groups. And so, just really trying to circumvent that process and really stop that from happening um, early on um, before the onset of that. And so um, that's some of the things that I've done in the past and some of the things that I would really try to continue to push for. I know the Newtown Success Zone actually received um, state funding um, for that. Uh, I can't think of the exact grant it was, but um, we also, it was, It came from the Department of Education as well as. The department of health because we also work to address some of the health disparities right again (laughs) if you are suffering from mental health issues or even things like diabetes um or obesity or asthma like that stuff can actually affect how you show up to work or how you show up to school so it's really important to address those (laughs) issues because again it can lead to disciplinary issues in school and then that causes kids to fall further and further behind and so tackling that stuff on early working with the families and the students um, can actually help us in the school to prison pipeline and that's something that i'm really a staunch advocate um, and supporter of ending um,
0: so criminal justice reform is really needed in florida what would you do as a state legislator to help incarcerated individuals and returning citizens? Right, so um, as I have previously worked for New Florida
2: Majority, uh, which is an organization that works primarily with black and brown communities across the state of Florida, um, along the lines of like social justice and things like that. And so they've really been pushing and partnering with or other organizations much recently in regards to dignity of incarcerated individuals. Um, first of all, we really have to push dignity uh, amongst the entire the entire state of Florida, push dignity of incarcerated individuals across the state, like really reframing that message, right? Letting people know that people have made mistakes, um, and that's usually why they wind up in prison or in jail people make mistakes or because they come from low-income communities and they are again trying to make sure that they're surviving right oftentimes these these issues that land them there because people are trying to just survive and so making sure that folks like like the women i love the legislation that they recently uh, passed making sure women um, have things like uh, feminine products, right? Um, Being an advocate for that, um, I was uh, assisting with that kind of behind the scenes. Um, Also, just making sure, one of the first things that I wanna do is really look at comprehensive criminal justice reform, especially in the area of bail um, money, because, Um, it's so unfortunate that for some small crimes sometimes people are sitting in jail because they can't make bail and it's for something that's like a couple of hundred dollars right or maybe a thousand dollars and people that that disrupts people's livelihoods right and then sometimes like they may not have actually committed a crime, right? Like, And so it's really important um, for us to really revisit um, this cash bail system because it's really creating huge disparities amongst low-income folks, not just Black and brown people, but low-income people, period. Um, and so that's something that I really would want to look into, um, especially as it relates to some of the lower level misdemeanors, uh, because folks shouldn't be sitting in jail for months at a time just because they can't pay for $500 in bail. And that's something that I'm super um, excited that new Florida majority has really been working on. They actually have been doing like being a part of this, um, uh, this initiative call, um, what is it? It's the mama, ba- the mommy bailout. And so uh, during Mother's Day, they bail out some moms, some black moms that um, are sitting in jail because they can't pay some small fees to get out. Um, and then, of course, uh, in regards to returning citizens. Um, I was assisting with those efforts in regards to allowing them to get their rights restored. And so just really making sure that we protect democracy at all costs, which means allowing everyone who is a tax paying citizen to be eligible to vote, right? Um, And so that's something that I would make sure that I strongly advocate for. And again, just being a state representative, it's not just always about crafting policies sometimes it's about really educating your community about what's going on and really allowing them to lift up their voices um and to make demands listen i understand that i'm a democrat and that we do not currently have the majority in uh, the legislature but i do know that i'm a community organizer and i know how to organize people to to raise their voices, to raise hell, um, because in this day and age, and always, right, the squeaky wheel is the one that always gets the oil. And so it's really important for us to make sure that the residents are speaking for themselves um, and that they know how and when and where to come and speak up for themselves. And, that, and that's something that, uh, I would do as a state representative um, to really to do that and, and making sure that incarcerated folks have a voice, making sure that returning citizens have a voice. So, that's
1: uh, great. So tell us about your District 14 Advisory Committee and how that will help you be more accessible to your community. Yeah, so
2: uh, <laughs> I, I love, I don't know everything, I don't. <laughs> i'm never gonna know anything so um i think bobby bowden said it best even though i am a university of florida graduate (laughs) go gator um (laughs) i think bobby bobby bowden said it best and i'm just kind of paraphrasing um just in regards to like coaching he didn't he didn't admit to knowing everything and he wasn't the best coach but he surrounded himself with other coaches that knew different things. And so that's what I would do. That's the same approach that I would take as a state representative. Even though I'm a small business owner, I'm gonna surround myself with other small business owners as well as some mid to big business owners in addition to some residents, some parents, some students, uh, some elders, some seniors, um, and folks that live on the north side as well as the west side because my district encompasses that. Just surrounding myself um, and creating a committee, an advisory committee uh, of diverse folks uh, to really know about the issues that are going on in their in their areas, in their pockets. And then also just in their fields of expertise um, or whatever it is that they do, right? Making sure that we have teachers on board, <laughs> even making sure that we have excuse me, some of the administrators that are there because, again, we have to learn to start talking to each other so that we know what's going on and not just talking at each other and yelling at each other. And so I would definitely create an advisory committee. Um, I would like to meet maybe not every month, but every other month, and definitely at least every quarter, and for them to help come up with recommendations, policy recommendations, because you know I can say, hey, I think the community needs this, 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 and that, but I don't necessarily know if I'm not talking to the community. So making sure I'm surrounding myself with members and thought leaders from the community so that we can, in fact, address issues that they are having in the Statehouse. Um, and pass policies that would be um, a benefit to those concerns and issues. And so that's one of the reasons that I would definitely uh, start a uh, advisory committee in the district.
0: That's a great idea.
2: -hmm.
0: Um, If elected, how will you increase job opportunities for your constituents?
2: Okay. If elected, one of the ways that I would hope to increase job opportunities um, is to partner with companies um, and to ensure that <laughs> partnering with organi- partnering with companies like, uh, and then partnering with groups like the Chamber of Commerce, because a lot of times they know they're going out, they're actively going out to recruit businesses to our city. Uh, the Jacks Chamber, <clears throat> which I'm a member of. And so partnering with them, making sure that I know ahead of time some of the jobs that may be coming. And so ensuring that we're offering the trainings that those uh, applicants may need in order to apply for those jobs. Um, so doing things like that, hosting ongoing workshops, it seems as though we're moving into a more distance, distance uh, learning, distance uh just being online, period. And so, unfortunately, like even my mom, <laughs> but and even myself at times, there are some things that I don't know. I'm not so super technologically savvy. Heck, you've seen some of our elected officials on Zoom and they were mm-hmm. messing up and you couldn't hear them and stuff like that. And so, making sure that we have ongoing workshops to ensure the employability. Uh, of folks in the district so whatever it is (laughs) that my district uh residents need right where they're lacking it trying to make sure that there are ongoing workshops for them to assist them and this is something again that i've already been doing just as a community organizer Um, i also do work not just on the north side but as well as the east side of town and so we've been partnering i've partnered with the city um Numerous times and members um, and different agencies from the state to host workshops for small business owners as well as kid kid business owners. I actually last year was the second year for Kidpreneur Fest, which is a kind of Shark Tank for kids that I created here in Jacksonville. We actually partnered with uh, the Chamber of Commerce, the Jacks Chamber, and the Bridges Program to help provide um some funding for this the kids that won like the pitching contest um and so also allowing them to have an opportunity to meet with members of the chamber of commerce to discuss like how to write out a business plan and things like that and so that's something that I would continue on uh as a state representative and do and I'd be able to really amplify the work that I'm already doing in the community um, when I get to the state
1: house. So that's some of the things that I would be doing. I love that. Uh, that. Those are awesome. (laughs) Um, So we know the incumbent in District 14 sponsored a parental consent bill Mm -hmm. that provides no exception for rape if a child needs an abortion. Uh, What specific steps will you take to address inequalities facing women when it comes to reproductive health?
2: Yeah, so some of the uh, steps that I would definitely take, again, it just goes out. It goes back to as a um state representative, it's not just always about crafting and creating policies. sometimes you just actually have to talk to people um and one of the things that I would do is partner with uh those thought leaders in the area, partner with doctors um and Asking them to come to the community and talk about the importance of making sure that women have access to quality health care. Um, explaining to folks why uh, this parental consent bill um, should have never passed. Um, one of the reasons is because folks don't understand um, that there is uh, just giving giving the accurate numbers about um, when women Uh, in girls who are raped are oftentimes they know you know the person that did it the aggressor, the yeah the the rapist and so like that person may have honestly been a parent or may have been um a guardian right and so you're telling me that that child has to go and ask the person their abuser right for consent to um to go in and and uh unfortunately abort have an abortion uh due to that and so people don't know that uh it's just you know just pushing this one narrative about oh it's wrong and it's you know it's against my religion and this and that and so again one of the steps i would do <laughs> early on is to just start having those conversations um in my monthly uh, in my monthly community meetings and then of course my quarterly town hall meetings that i would want to have like you really just have to start shifting the narrative so that you can change hearts and minds around things like that and then really crafting legislation i really feel as though um kids really need to um there needs to be um some sexual education um more sexual access to sexual education um in in the school system um so that uh we can not only teach uh girls especially how to protect themselves but also teach the folks that would normally be the abusers like how not to abuse and so it's like we always put the onus of this type of stuff on the victim and we shouldn't right like got to train the minds of those potential abusers hopefully they won't <laughs> become abusers because they've been educated well enough on not to do those things and then also just making sure that we have mental health services that are readily available for folks because you know people that abuse actually have usually been Abuse themselves, and so unfortunately, a lot of them have not had access to quality mental health services. And just making sure that um, they're utilizing and making sure that those things are fully funded um, and that folks know about them. Because again, there are some programs that are available, but again, people don't know about it. And I would like to put the thought of that on some of the elected officials that could have gotten and spread that word out. Because during campaign season, they spread the word about them and what they want to do and plan on doing but again when it stops when campaign season is over we don't really hear that much and so um making sure that again as a state representative that i'm spreading and communicating uh all of the great programs and services that are available um to help with things like that and so that's one of the first those are some of the steps that i would take as it relates to um, that parental consent bill and just making sure that um, women are protected <laughs> and have access to quality healthcare.
0: You've stated in your campaign video that it does not matter what zip code you live in, you should be afforded the same technology and resources that some of the richest neighborhoods have. Mm-hmm. The incumbent of District 14 thinks that the answer is The student voucher program. Mm -hmm. What would your recommendation be to make sure students, regardless of zip code, have opportunities and resources available to them? Mm -hmm.
2: So um, it's not that I'm necessarily against student vouchers. Um, I just feel that we should of course adequately fund public schools first and make sure that they have the resources that they need. Um, So number one, again, empowering the residents of District 14 to make sure that they come to legislative session and that they advocate <laughs> for fully pun- fully funding public education, right, number one. Um, and number two, listen, unfortunately, again, because the Democratic Party, um, uh, the progressives are not in a position of authority right now as far as being in in the majority in the house and senate Um, things like charter schools and vouchers aren't going away and i totally understand choice being a single mom i'll be honest i've put my child in charter schools before and even a private school but i know that one of the issues i did that is because i felt that the public schools didn't have the resources that they needed those neighborhood schools, and it was too late for my daughter to apply for a magnet program. And and so moms have to have options. However, in having those options, we have to make sure that there is accountability all across the board. So those schools that are private that are receiving those vouchers, in addition to those charter schools that are receiving public dollars for operating period, we need to make sure that they are held to the same exact standard. That these public schools are being held to. We need to make sure that there are no discriminatory practices. If you're going to receive public funding, you should not be allowed to discriminate against a child and not allow a child to come to your school because they they don't identify as what we perceive their gender to be or that they... Um, are a member of the LGBT community like that's that's just wrong right like we can't do that in the public school system so no one should be able to do that if they're accepting public dollars and so that's something that um I would be a staunch uh advocate for like just making sure that there's parity like across the board like you if you're if you are receiving public funding (laughs) you have to make sure that you are accountable that make sure that your test scores are on par, just like if, just just like grains and rebound and Northwestern and Jeff Davis have to do, or they or there will be some type of action that has to be taken, and so those are some of the things that I would advocate for.
1: Awesome I definitely agree with you uh, so what's your favorite thing about Jacksonville?
2: Ah, my favorite <laughs> thing about Jacksonville. <gasps> we're surrounded by so much water Mm -hmm. I am (laughs) two things so I love water um I'm Pisces uh I was a lifeguard for the city of Jacksonville for over 11 years um every summer I started when I was 15 went throughout college and then after I got out of college so every summer I would come and lifeguard and so I just love the water I love I love going and sitting down in front of the St. John's River and like recently like a few years ago I saw my first dolphin (laughs) and I'd always hear about them in the St. John's. I mean I've seen dolphins before but it's not (laughs) the St. John's River and so I was just like so amazed but I really love just our water system and it's really important for us to make sure that we keep it clean. And then the other thing that I really love about Jacksonville is the people. Oh my gosh, like we are such an amalgam of people. And then just knowing that a lot of folks are transplants um, and they're here and so they're bringing um they're bringing their old habits and the things that they learned in their different parts of the country here and so it's just really interesting um and the fact that folks think that i'm sometimes from mississippi and stuff like that and i'm like no this is a jacksonville draw Like, <laughs> so just our people it's just i just love our people i love hearing our the stories about everyone and just i love jacksonville i'm I've had the opportunity to move to D.C. Um, and to move down south, but it's just something about my – something about Jacksonville. I just can't let it go. So <laughs> the people
0: in the water. I love the people in the water.
1: know what you mean.
0: <laughs> what is the best piece of advice that you've received?
2: The best piece of advice? Do you mean for the campaign or just in general?
0: In general,
1: yeah. In
2: general, the best <clears> – <throat> The best piece of advice I have received would have to be just to remain honest, <laughs> remain remain honest and true to yourself and to everyone else. And I think the fact that I do that has opened up a lot of doors for me. Um, people trust me with things um, because I'm going to be open and honest. Um... So yeah, I think that's the best piece of advice. And I just really believe in uh, you reap what you sow, which is what you learn in the Bible or karma, like what goes around comes around. And so just again, really being honest um, with folks and truthful, um, I, I get that in return. Or, or like, I, I feel like I have this spirit of discernment. And so, but it's because I've been honest and truthful and so um i'm able to kind of discern the crap that's out there (laughs) and so but that's the best piece of advice is being honest and truthful which has afforded me a lot of opportunities to meet people um to be helped when i i thought i was gonna lose it (laughs) um because folks know that you know i i'm a person of my word, I'm a woman of my word. So that's the best piece of advice.
1: I agree. That's great advice. All right, uh, so now it's time for our rapid fire portion of the interview. We have 10 questions for you and you have about 90 seconds to answer them all. Okay. Lene, are you ready?
0: Yes, are you ready, Angie? I am. Okay, do you have any pets? No. What is your biggest pet peeve? Dirty bath, dirty restrooms and bathrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Name a book you you read that positively shaped you.
2: Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. Uh, I think I learned um,
0: with that how to not take any stuff. (laughs) Um, Best gift you've ever received. My daughter. Um, who is an elected official that you would admire? Immi- that you admire? An
2: elected official that I
0: admire is State Representative Tracy Davis. She's awesome. She, she is. <laughs> um, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? I think I would be all-knowing. <laughs> <laughs> What's the last music album that you bought? Equimini. <laughs> um What is something on your bucket list? Uh, bungee jumping that I haven't done yet. Very cool. Um, what is something people would be surprised to learn about you? I was a radio host at, at the University of
2: Florida. Like not the one, not your school radio, but like the hip hop and
0: R&B station, this country girl. was a radio host. (laughs) Um, When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up?
2: I wanted to be an
0: obstetrician-gynecologist because Heathcliff
2: Huxtable was an obstetrician-gynecologist and now looking back on that you're like,
1: (laughs) with what went on with Bill Cosby, you're like, ah, that's interesting, but okay. Well uh, you got through the 10 questions uh, and our final question for you today is uh, what is one thing that voters can take away from this entire interview? Like what would be the one thing you'd want that to be?
2: Yeah so one of the things that I the main thing that I want voters to take away from this interview is that I am here. <laughs> I am accessible and I am a public servant that is at will be at their service. Um, and so I want them to vote for me because I know at the end of the day that I work for them um, and that I'm already working for them and I will continually work work for them. And that if I was, if they elect me into office, that I can just uh, expand my reach and really take that to the next level. Um, and so I hope that everyone goes out and supports me on August 18th, um, 2020 of this year and vote for me for State Representative District 14. Please visit my website, angienixon.com. I am up against a very competitive uh, incumbent. Um, and so help me raise funds. Again, please go to my website at angienixon.com. You can see all of the issues that I am uh, advocating for um, and a lot of the things that I've done in the past and that's what i would want folks to take away that i am working for the people
1: thank you so much for speaking with us today
2: thank you